Zoe, can I bring up your romantic date and make you tell everyone? Yes, of course. Zoe did something so hot. <laughs> literally, literally hot. <laughs> Not figuratively. I bet it was humid too. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Um, we had to push recording to 7 p.m. today. And then 7.05 because I was running late. <laughs> because Chelsea and I went to a pick your own wild. Well, it's not, I don't know what count constitutes a wild flower. It's like on a farm. So I don't know if that I guess that's not wild. Anyway, pick your own flower thing uh, experience area. And it was really cute and fun and hot and bugs. That's so romantic. You should look up, because I know there's all this, like, stuff about what different flowers mean. Like, if you give a white rose, Mm. it means, like, friendship or whatever. I wonder if they have them for the ones you guys picked. And if you can, like, read your fortunes with what flowers you picked. I love that, like, flowers that have negative connotations. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Let's just be friends. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Like, what? And also, that's a great connotation. We all could use a friend. You're right. You got a friend in me. That seems like a great segue to say that gentle (laughs) listeners, welcome or welcome back to Sun Dappled Capeside. I am Zoe. And I'm Gabby. And this is Dawson's Creeps, reviewing every episode of Dawson's Creek in chronological order. Spoiler free. Ah, feels so good to be back here not in the real world where everything is a crumbling facade that was never right or just to begin with but as the cracks become larger the hell dimension behind becomes more and more clear so gabby how's your mental health going these days i you you know mm, i feel like every day i wake up and i'm worried about portland and that's how i start with and then i see something about Someone calling a female politician a fucking bitch. And that like gives me like a full body flashback to every time I've been punished for being taking up space or just existing. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. I look at Kanye and I'm like, oh, man, I was with you when you said George Bush doesn't like black people. And it's just been a struggle ever since. And I really feel (laughs) bad for Kim. People should not put this on her. You can't expect women to save men all the time. And she's just trying to protect her children. I really liked what she had to say about she released like a bunch of, you know, like a notepad screenshots on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they were very well written. I mean, I don't know that she herself wrote them, but like maybe I think she has the sense to have a team where she's like, this is what I want to say. Help me say it. Right. And I thought that they were very, uh, very um, thoughtful. I did, too. And I had taken two melatonin and I sent her a very personal direct message talking about what I thought and how proud I was of the grace with which she's handled this situation. Oh, my God. It is so funny how obsessed you are with I'm so I just want to protect Kim. And yes, yes, they've been flaunting their wealth and hanging out outside their pods with each other. And there's lots of problems. We can't blame Kim for that. It's a systemic issue, as we all know. <laughs> that is true. And I just like the the. I'll stop talking about this. I'll let you talk in a second. Sorry. But like. Story of my life. (laughs) They call me Gabby for a reason. (laughs) Ooh. Him dropping that story about them almost like theoretically almost having an abortion, which I don't even know if it's real. But like people murder people over abortion. Like there was a shooting in an abortion clinic in the town that we're from in the early 90s where people died. Like. That's a very scary thing to just put out in the world about your partner. Not because there's anything wrong with doing it, although it's very personal. 
but because it like puts a big target on their back for all sorts of really scary and negative attention totally well and i I, so you know again we don't have to talk about kim too too much but i did read (laughs) uh, at least one of the like missives that she put out there uh on her twitter i think uh, uh, that just sort of addresses uh basically kanye's mental health and i don't know i didn't know this before i read read it but he has bipolar disorder and it just made me think of like it's so crazy that sorry crazy is a terrible term that we're always trying to not use but it's so difficult to stop using that one but it boggles the mind that so Kanye has bipolar disorder fine like a ton of people have bipolar disorder right but it seems like what's happening is because she says something in one of her one of her posts that's like you know that if you are a family member of somebody with failing mental health unless they're a minor there's not much you can do yes and that's so true and I, I guess, especially, you know, with somebody as powerful as Kanye West, like he's going to have like an entourage and people around him that are Absolutely. just going to, you know, enable him to make uh, terrible decisions and, and terrible statements. But it's so wild that once you get past a certain level of power, it, it, no one like no one can touch you. Like Kanye yeah. can do whatever Kanye wants. And that's that's something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yep. uh, a lot. And I feel bad for Kim, too. I think she should leave him. but Yeah. Um, but then her sisters would win and she would lose. So, Oh, OK. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what my beautiful Kimmy will do. But but she's in our thoughts and also our prayers. Uh, my vote of candle will be lit 24-7 until this crisis is resolved. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and also, like, I, I think it's very true that he this is a issue of mental illness and I don't think the media should be treating it as like a fun spectacle but I think he also clearly has some very troubling ingrained views that he needs to like dope out when he's better in a better mental state right I mean there's nothing like you can't he again he has too much access to the media so it's like we can't just be like oh blackout on Kanye like nobody video con like nobody put information on Kanye on uh, into the whatever the media yes because that's there's that's nobody's job, you know. Yeah. Their job is to like sell whatever, yes. sell. TV, well, especially so. when he's standing there being like, "Pay attention to me, right?" I exactly. have the answers. Yeah, but another thing that I wanted to talk about besides Kim, which we can talk about <laughs> till the cows come home, clearly, <laughs> is that I didn't highlight anything from the racism document uh, because I think racism is over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Because... We're going to fit into a checklist and just everything's checked <laughs> off. Yeah, it's done. Um, no, I um, I just didn't have time. I forgot about it, whatever. And uh, it was kind of a crazy week for work, although it ended really light, which was awesome. But um, uh, so I did not do that. But I did just want to say uh, that um, we do need to arrest Breonna Taylor's murderers. They're still... Uh, not serving the consequences of murdering her in in cold blood. And there was something else that I wanted to say. And that was, oh, I posted something on, oh, here's the thing that I can talk about. I posted something on my Instagram the other day, but it was on my personal Instagram, on my stories about this app that I have called Digit. Uh, and what I've done with Digit, we got it when we were saving for the wedding, but I Chelsea did really well with it. I cannot save money to save my life. But... <laughs> What Digit does is it basically subtracts money from your checking account. It's based on like how much it takes out is based on how much you spend in a day. So like for every dollar you spend, it'll subtract like five cents or something like that. So I think you can also like set how much you want it to take out or something. 
But anyway, so I have that set up. So every time I spend money, you know, whatever at CVS or groceries or whatever, some money gets siphoned off of my account and put into this other thing, this digit app. Of course, at first I was like fully tinfoil hat about it. I was like, how do I know that they're not, you know, going to like (laughs) abscond with my money? But I've had it for like a year and so far nothing bad has happened. Anyway, my point is, is that I set up an account that's se- that's separate from just like the generic account that they set up for you for saving money. And I use it. It's called, I called it reparations. And I just use that money um, to fund various like charitable organizations or black causes or indigenous causes or queer, usually one of those and queer. I don't usually just do like, because like the white gays were fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jack. He's doing great. It's like, you know, not a big deal. But anyway, that's something that's been really helpful for me uh, just because, you know, sometimes you see stuff that you want to give to, but you're sort of like, you know, you have to put yourself first or whatever. And I totally think that that's true. So this is nice because there's always at least there's always like money in the banana banana stand, so to speak. Like there's (laughs) just there's always like at least 20 bucks that I can be like, oh, you're a, a a trans black person and you need like money to move. Here's 20 bucks, you know. Yeah, I think that's really that's really good. I think both because like not feeling like you have disposable income, even if you maybe do, might not lead you might lead you to not give anything. Or if you're giving, you might feel like I'm in no control. I'm just giving and giving and like, oh, God, I'm nervous. And this could just give you that peace of mind. Yeah, I saw that story and I want to set that up. So I'm glad you reminded me. The, the latter was what I was doing. Like when the BLM stuff first kicked off in this most recent wave, like it's always ongoing, but you know, when it reached that first crest this time around, I was like, I have to stop because I'm going to put myself in like a, yeah, like a bill paying problem. Yes. <laughs> like, so I had to figure out a way to like compartmentalize my funds in that way. That's really smart. Thanks. I didn't pick anything to, to highlight, but I will just throw out there that I added some Portland uh, donation links to the document. So if anyone is like, Gabby keeps crying about Portland, but not saying anything <laughs> specific, there's a couple of organizations on there you can donate to. Noise. Um, I also heard that you put some stuff that you like <laughs> in our... I just want to cheer everyone up by talking about stuff that I like and who cares if they <laughs> want to hear about it. I want to hear about it, Gabbo. Thank you. Well, one is I finally weaseled the Criterion channel password out of my mother. So I now have the Criterion uh, streaming service. So I'm in heaven. And I finally watched this movie I meant to watch for a thousand trillion years called Certain Women. It's directed by Kelly Reichart. Don't know. Mm. Uh, But it's like Michelle Williams, Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern. One other good one. I can't think who it is. But um, it's like three separate kind of entwined stories. And if you're looking for an action-packed good time, (laughs) it's not that. It's a lot of like Montana wilderness and someone like having ennui while they smoke a cigarette. But it's really... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I want that for sure. It's really good. And I also feel like not only do things feel really dark, but they feel like so much is coming at you all the time. So this was a really good movie of like put the phone far away and like just be in a very like interesting but very slow and just like visually beautiful and silent almost very quiet movie did you did you watch a portrait of a girl on fire you know i did ariel and i saw it in theaters and our crotches caught right on fire that's how I felt about that movie. Where yeah. Because it, it has subtitles and I don't speak French. So I, it's like, no, I had to like be in the world of that movie mm-hmm. without, you know, doing another 
dumb thing. Right. That's also what I really miss about movie theaters. That's like one of the few times mm-hmm. where I'm very successful at being focused on one thing. Same. The other two things, I just finished listening to this book on Audible called Fire Logic by Lori J. Marks. And it's like a fantasy type book. And I feel like often when I read fantasy and sci-fi, I'm like frustrated by how similar structurally it is to just normal life. Like they're not that inventive in making things like actually different besides having like different names and like different technology. Mm-hmm. But this is a beautifully imagined world. I thought it was by, I thought I'd gotten it off this book list of like authors of color, but I looked at a thousand pictures of this lady and I feel like she's white, but who knows? I don't want to dictate how she identifies that she's from Boston. So that's something. And then mm-hmm. I've just been listening to this song called Pretty Little Cemetery by Aaron. Mm. First name's Aaron. <laughs> and it, it's just like very soothing in these times. And I recommend it. Nice. Pretty Little Cemetery. Those sound incredible. Uh, to the new Taylor Swift album is out today, and I listened to half of it, and Ooh. it is good. Recommend that you check that out. Cool. I like the cover art. Yeah. The name is pretty good, too. Folklore. Mm. Not bad. Did you listen to uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters? Yes, like a thousand times. I haven't listened to it yet. Maybe I'll put that on my... It's you have to be in a, in the right mood, I would say. Like right. just in case the first time you listen to it, you're not into it because that's what happened to me. I was sort of like, uh, like this because it's not like some of the more popular Fiona Apple mm. bangers from the past. It's like a little more uh, experimental than that. But there are a few tracks on there that are like very powerful if you're in the right headspace. Okay, I love the title so much that I just like want to give it a chance based on that alone. Yeah, same. I was the same way. Although I would have, I mean, a new album from Fiona Apple is like very exciting. I would listen to it anyway. But well, if you're wondering why we're spending this much time talking about other stuff, I'll say, I'll say (sighs) it. This episode, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's It's fine. fine. It's fine. After the the one two punch of like, am I gay? I'm gay. It's like not much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of need like a a, what is it? Like a palate cleanser after all that drama. Sorry, speaking of a cleanser, we'll get right back to it. Your skin looks incredible right now. Are you wearing makeup or are you just glowing? I'm wearing makeup. You look fantastic. That makes sense if you were out flower picking in a field with your lover, but... Yeah, so I have eyebrows. Well, I have the whole thing on, but you can probably tell I have eyebrows, and then I'm wearing makeup. I also had lipstick on, but I took it off. I mean... I'm also wearing my fancy dressing gown. I love the dress. I should put on my silk robe, but I'm already sweating under my boobs, so I'm sure that would not end well. (laughs) Um... But yeah, you just, you are glowing. Are you Thank pregnant? You so You're much. so beautiful. I'm triple pregnant. <laughs> not, and it's not triplets. It is three separate babies. Sure. In three separate parts of the body. We got a leg baby. We got a boob baby. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yeah. No, this was not, uh, not, not a club banger. I know I've already said that this episode <laughs> alone, but I'm saying it again. But Gabby, tell us what happened on this day in herstory. Okay, this episode originally aired on, scrolling down, scrolling down, March 3rd, 1999. On that day, Lee Phillips, American actor and director, think Peyton Place, died of (laughs) progressive supranuclear palsy at the age of 72. I know that sounds right. Got it. (laughs) The Supreme Court ruled that public schools had to finance one-on-one nursing care for some disabled students throughout the school day. And Amir... Two days after this snoozer, Cruel Intentions would hit the theaters. That makes sense because it's like there's nothing happening in Dawson's Creek. It's because all of the goodness in the world was channeled into that one 
thing. Right. You told your mom, like, Mom, the TV show I watched was, like, so boring this week. Can I, like, go out to my <laughs> to the movies with my friends this weekend? And then your whole entire mind was blown. Was incredibly blown. Well, that is all amazing. Uh, the uh, This episode was directed by david semmel by the way this is uh season two episode 16 be careful what you wish for we may have already said that but i don't remember um it was directed by david semmel and it was written by heidi ferrer ferrer rocher oh my god everyone put everything on hold because she is the writer of the hottie and the naughty starring paris hilton one of my favorite titles to recommend to randos that came into my video store (laughs) When I, I was 20. I looked at the cover and it's literally, it's all just about Paris Hilton and her taglines because it's the her and the other actress on the front. And it just says, keep in mind, not she, not they. That's hot. That's not. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> that animal there is hot. That other one is not. Um. So per IMDb, <clears throat> on Dawson's 16th birthday, he, Pacey, and Andy follow her therapist's advice and throw themselves into an unabashed night of recklessness, where both Dawson and Andy get drunk at the ja- at the jazz club and end up on stage singing the blues. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the Leary house, Joey is organizing a surprise party for Dawson, but the longer the guest of honor is a no-show, the more she is subject to surprises of her own. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Abby and two of her girlfriends crash the party and taunt Jack over his recent coming out. Jen and Ty finally face up to their potentially irreconcilable differences in which they break up for good. Also, Gail and Mitch come to decisions about how to raise their son in light of their divorce. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. That wasn't bad. I really liked how it began with the fact that uh, Dawson, Pacey, and Andy are all following Andy's therapist's advice because... Back in the day, uh, Gabby had a therapist and she would come back from the therapist and tell her what, tell me what she had said, just like about life in general. And I would be like, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. And I still say some of that stuff, like you can't control feelings. Yep, 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 yep. Dr. P, thank you. Way back. Well, let's freaking do it. We're in Dawson's room. Pacey storms in because Dawson has declared an emergency. It's almost midnight. He's going to turn 16. And as he puts it, I am eternally lost as a species on this planet. And Pacey says, oh, this is going to be bad. (laughs) And (laughs) And that summed up the whole episode for me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he's not wrong. I did want to say, so if if we are meant to believe that Dawson's birthday is the day that this was... That this episode was aired. Yes. Which is like March 3rd, I think. Mm-hmm. That makes him a Pisces. Just so what you are know. What Pisces like? Um, they're probably one of my number one enemies. <laughs> that, makes, that makes a world of sense because he is terrible in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I won't go into it because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings that might be Pisces. <laughs> I do have one Pisces friend and I like her a lot, but uh, I my... One of my greatest nemeses is also a Pisces. Oh, What's the, the picture for a Pisces? Fish. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the fish. Well, you know what? You know what I'll say about fish? They're always moving. And that's what Dawson says. Everyone's <laughs> moving forward, but he's stagnant. Everyone's moving forward except Jen. He says, Jen is not necessarily moving forward, but at least she's moving. And it's like Dawson. Okay, they break up later, but she's got a good, like a bo- good boyfriend. She's doing fine. Why do you so terrible i know i highlighted that too because fuck you (laughs) seriously and then he launches into his conspiracy theory about gays and straight women 
To which Pacey says, you're right, Dawson. It's all part of the evil gay plan to keep the species from repopulating. And uh, Dawson says, like, keep an eye on Andy. And it's like, Dawson, the only gay guy you know is her brother. So I think we're good. And also, you're insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Did, did you cover the thing where... Sorry, my brain is all messed up now. <laughs> Do you cover the thing where Dawson? So yeah, this whole gay. Oh, that's right. Later, after that, he says something like, "Can we talk about this whole gay man straight woman thing?" Did you cover yeah, that? Yeah, that's what leads into his whole gay conspiracy theory. Oh right, sorry. Well, I just wanted to say to, uh, to which after uh, Pacey's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Dawson says, "I would keep an eye on Andy if I were you." Yeah. And that's when you said his brother, the thing yeah. that's her brother. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm all caught I guess up. he's just saying, like, gays in general are prowling around for any girlfriends they might see. Like, what? <laughs> the only thing I liked about Dawson's monologue is that occasionally he's, like, gesticulating wildly with, like, a severed arm prop as yes. he's bemoaning his fate, which I'm in favor of. And I think my note exactly said... What I just said, and then in, like, all caps, is that Joey's head? Because when he starts talking about how he wants Joey back, he grabs what I think is the model head he once made out with and is, like, cradling it gently. And that's what he, like, hands off to Pacey as, like, he leaves his own room and Pacey stays there. He is such a psycho about, again, terrible words. Sorry about that. But he is a a monster. Everyone's being bad. It's hard. It's hard. We're working on that. We're working on it. Uh, But he is such a monster about Joey in this episode, and it kind of comes out of left field for me. But even like that's irrelevant. Uh, I hate every second of it. Mm -hmm. And it begins here when he's like, I need definitive answers. Joey's the answer. Like that is (laughs) that's some Kanye West bullshit right there. Absolutely. (laughs) Joey's not a human. She's what will heal me and protect me in this wild world. Yikes. It's a yikes for me. You know what's not a yikes, though, is the next morning at breakfast when Gail comes down in the all-white sleep number that involves three different clothing items. <laughs> oh, my God. A three-piece sleep suit? It's so... Wow. It looks like she's in, like, an <laughs> early 90s R&B music video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gail comes downstairs, and Mitch is cooking pancakes in the kitchen. Um, and she's like, oh, surprised to see him, which makes sense because he doesn't live there. Yes. But he's like, he, I guess Mitch comes over on Dawson's birthday, or not comes over, on Dawson's birthday, Mitch makes him breakfast, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Dawson comes down, they have, well, they talk for a second, whatever, and then Mitch is like, I have to talk to your mom in private, it's about birthday stuff. And they walk outside, and we find out that, I mean, Mitch is like, what should we get Dawson for his birthday? Which I have an idea about what we should do for Dawson's birthday. And day Gail's of his like, birthday. I have a great idea, day, day of. <laughs> yeah, right. But not so great. Gail, we find out that Gail has already, unknown, unbeknownst to Mitch, she's bought him. Gail has bought Dawson a car. Uh, a a Ford Explorer. Yeah, a big car. A big new car. For a big new man. That's right. And uh, Mitch is kind of like, oh, like I think that's a decision that we could have probably made together. Uh, and then, of course, a fight breaks out between them. Well, that sounds like they're hitting each other. They're not. <laughs> this is the most I like Dawson the whole episode because they're, like, starting to get a little riled up. And we cut back to him just, like, a thousand percent content. Just, like, doo 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 Cutting his pancakes. And I was, like, and then he, like, looks up and he's, like, I sense trouble. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, the most I liked him all episode was when his innocent breakfast revelry was interrupted by their fight. <laughs> his innocent breakfast revelry. And it's like, I feel like 
Uh, Gail has a point about like the financial stuff. Pretty fair for her to be like, I'm going to be the one paying for it. So I want to get him a nicer car, which is probably safer, honestly. Maybe everyone in this family should pay attention to road safety. And uh, that's all. And then Mitch is pathetically like, I'm looking into substitute teaching at the high school where our son goes. That's like a job. I know. Which I also totally forgot happened. But I will. So I will say I don't. I don't think that it is unfair for Gail to have bought Dawson a car. I do think she should have told Mitch True. beforehand. Just so that, like, she didn't even give him the chance to, like, go in on it with him, with her, or any sort of, like, participate in that decision at all. So I think that it's, I mean, I think it's insane that a 16-year-old would get a car no matter what. But They're loaded. Have you seen that screened-in porch? Yeah. I know. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, c- clearly, because Gail can afford to buy her 16-year-old a brand new Ford Explorer. Damn. <laughs> I guess I guess reporting is really, like, popping off in Cape Side. It's family money. Come on. You're right. You're right. You're right. But anyway, yeah. So I was kind of like, ooh, a swing and a miss for Gail. And then, yeah, uh, Mitch is just having trouble getting his whole freaking life together, which will come up again later. But for now, we're going to go to the Ice House and have a scene between joey and pacey mm, at one point no in the scene deal. she says i don't know why i'm so nervous and i was like maybe it's the company <laughs> uh joey's sitting on the counter pacey's sitting on a stool next to her this is not important i'm reading directly from the script <laughs> they are planning dawson's surprise party like they're pacey's gonna take out dawson and andy and they're gonna go do something an activity and then they'll be like oh sleepy uh, and they assume that Dawson will just accept that. I think that's naive. I was more focused on like, there are adults at this party and it doesn't start till 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah, well, things get wild in Cape <laughs> I guess so. I guess if you have the money to blow on an Explorer, you have money for like trucker speed. <laughs> trucker speed. <laughs> Isn't that like no dose or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's just really cracked out on no dose. <laughs> yeah, so that's the plan that's the plan that uh then pacey will bring them back to the house and it'll be a surprise party and pacey's like enough of this plan joey not to pry i respect your boundaries but how are you doing he says i mean now that you've had time to process so he's like thought about talking to her before but he was like no 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 she needs some space time to process and she's like she also gives a pretty good answer she's like jack's the one going through something like she's a little like everyone's asking me that but she's also like right no, nah, Jack's going through something. Like, I'll get over it. It's, you know, a breakup. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And then Jack, like, is there as well, because obviously he works at the Ice House. And we cut to Jack waiting tables, and Abby and two friends arrive and uh, want to eat at the Ice House. But it's like, the friends? she's being too friendly. True. Also, she and the friends have nothing but solid gold hairstyles. Oh, fuck. I did. was not even. I mean, I think I noted Abby's, but I didn't write down anything Abby's else, incredible. But. And one of her friends has two braids in the back and two mini buns in the front simultaneously. Ooh, mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. That's something special. It's And I also think they don't go to, they don't go here because they're like, are <laughs> you the famous Jack who like is the first person in Capeside to ever come out? Yeah. And Abby's like, oh my God, he so is. 
Oh my God, you're the gay guy. Yeah. And Abby is like showing him off like he's some sort of like, I don't know, monarch butterfly in a jar. (laughs) I do like that her one friend is like, I totally watched Ellen through that whole tumultuous (laughs) year. And she didn't come out till she was like 40. I was like, Jack, gravitate to this friend. Like she's put some thought that are like what it's like to, to come out. I know she's been uh, watching Ellen with <laughs> with a certain intensity that <laughs> <laughs> you might have an ally. Suggests, yeah, exactly. And uh, 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 Abby says it's a total waste because Jack's like a total babe, and Jack says, you know, I take that as a compliment if it wasn't coming from Satan. <laughs> and she gets really into this. She's like, I'm not even one of his helpers, and uh, <laughs> they kind of go into that. I just think it's incredible how wet they all are for his gayness i know how bizarre i guess because he's i don't i don't know because he's like off the men, quote unquote menu now right unobtainable i also guess it's just like no one does anything uh new and different in this one horse town so they're just really really into it i don't I, I you know it's better than other possible reactions but it's a little weird and fetishizing Oh, totally. I mean, I, as we all know, being gay make, does make you interesting, but... <laughs> For some of us, it's all we have. <laughs> Amen, brother. From there, we're going to go to Andy in therapy. Speaking of lesbians, <laughs> this therapist and her high-waisted pants, I could not. <laughs> and Andy's therapist is like, well, it seems like you've got a lot going on, which I would say is true about Andy. And... Uh, uh, the therapist's suggestions it, suggestion is that Andy sort of lets lets her hair down for an evening and doesn't try to fix anyone or hold anything together or uh, be the perfect daughter or whatever for a night. Which is not bad advice. And also, just when we're talking about hair, Andy's hair looks incredible in this scene. Yes, it's so shiny. Uh, in a good way. And, but I like the therapist starts out strong, like a lot on her shoulders. She's validating. And then Andy kind of revs up talking about her symptoms. Like, I get these panic attacks. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm, <laughs> cool mm-hmm, it down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about that. And then her last thing, like, really drove me up the wall. She was, when she says, when what you said, but her words are like, I'm going to give you a prescription, Andy. Oh, yeah. It's not for a drug. Like, she clearly needs something chemical. But anyway, mm-hmm. I prescribe for you. One night of imperfection. And it's like, yeah. I'm not a therapist, but I've been in therapy. And most of what they do is just ask helpful leading questions and connect it to things you've already said. They don't go like, prescription for you. Try being naughty one time. Live, <laughs> laugh, love. That's like one o'clock. What a semi-invested girlfriend will tell you. I know. Yeah. And I did not love because like, yeah, when she says that, when she's like, I've, I'm have i going to give you a prescription, you can see Andy clearly get, I don't know if excited is the term, but she's like ready. She's relieved, uh, I think. She's relieved. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And then when the, the, the therapist is like, it's to be a bad girl, she like clearly deflates and... I mean, don't, wouldn't you want to talk about that? Like, even if you felt that your patient should not be medicated and what had been previously medicated and needs to get off those meds, if you saw someone get so excited that and so relieved that they were about to get some sort of prescription to help them, and then you were like, oh, that's just a turn of phrase. I actually think that you should, like, go to a club or whatever it is. You would want to say something about that. Absolutely. Also, it definitely is leading. Like, the scene is super leading into or about you know, meds bad. Yes, same. Yeah. Not meds good. And that's not 
always the case. I think it would be totally possible to have a really like healthy and straightforward. She's on meds. You're like talking about what's working, what's not. You're adjusting things. Excuse me. And there's also a way to get to this place. But I think a real therapist would be like, what would it look like if you weren't putting everyone else's needs first? And she wouldn't be like, you need to just go wild. It would just be like, what would what would the good thing look like for you? And they would have you imagine it not be like this weird prescriptive behavior. Right. Anyway, we hate her. <sighs> Dr. P, where are you when Andy needs you? <laughs> I prescribe for you one night of imperfection. <laughs> Speaking of imperfection, Bessie's at the ice house. Yeah, Bessie's like, take, get out of here, go get changed, put on your sexiest pair of jeans. <laughs> uh, because she's got to get ready for this party. And Joey's like, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not dressing up for anyone now that Jack's gay. Gay. I do like that Bessie keeps it real because Joey's like, I, God knows I even turned jack away from women forever and bessie is just very calmly like no we know it doesn't work that way mm-hmm. and i i i mean this is really hard advice to follow when you're only 16 which by the way i forgot that like everyone in the show is fucking 16 because they're not actually they are much older yes. the actors i mean yes. but like damn so yeah so bessie's advice is like concentrate on yourself concentrate on your art and like all the things that you know you broke up with dawson because you wanted to find yourself and then you jumped right into a relationship with jack and so her her suggestion is like don't do that again (laughs) like take some time and really figure yourself out i thought it was some of the best advice i've ever seen from bessie much better than start your conversation with rough day huh But did that not work? No, you're right. She is actually the best parent ever, possibly. I knew it. Uh, And then Dawson steams in so confident. (laughs) But before we get to see what he wants, we have to go to Mm. tie, tying a ribbon. (sighs) So what I thought was going to happen with these two in this episode is not what happened. I thought that, and this is what I wrote, that... Uh, Jen would bring Ty to the party and he would do something messed up to Jack, who's freshly out of the closet. But that is not what happened. I just wanted to say that was my uh, prediction and I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I thought that, but that was because I read the IMDb summary first to put it in the to put it in the thing. I just I also just need to say really quickly uh, when Jen turns around and looks at him and moves towards him, you can see a boom mic at the top of the screen. So, oh, I didn't catch that. illusion nice. shattered. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, Ty is uh, wrapping a present for this big bash that's happening later. Ugh, ugh, God, everything that happens with these two makes me want to wretch, especially this scene. I mean, all of it. Not especially this scene, all of it. Yeah. He's like, I can feel you watching me. And she's like, what? And he's oh. like, let's see if you can feel me. Close your eyes. Do you feel me watching? Do you feel me now? And he like, blah, 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 touches his lips to hers. And she's like, okay, I felt that. <laughs> But then she, like, gets into it, and they're, like, making out, and it's cool. And then Ty, like, shoves her away from him and is like, um, morning, kitchen, grams? Like, yes. Which also, when I was read, like, I was organizing the transcript before watching the episode, that line was so mystifying. I was like, morning, kitchen, grams. Don't understand. I thought he was saying good morning to the kitchen and grams. So I was really relieved morning, to understand what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird. He's like saying, like, we can't do this here because it's morning and we're in your kitchen and Grams is nearby. I mean, I know that if Michael tries to kiss me before 12 p.m., I have to do a very obvious, like, excuse me, morning. 
I don't kiss in the morning because I'm not a whore. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. And that is how you've managed to keep your virtue intact this long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sealed up tight. But but <laughs> tight is a drum. But I would say that that's your special case. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but the but the oop, hello. <laughs> that's my keyboard. I'm having a lot your of your technology is really turning turning on you today. I know. I didn't even do anything bad. You didn't like insult a Roomba or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, but the, the weird part is not that, it's not so much that, uh, Ty doesn't want to, like, uh, get blown in the kitchen with Grams in the next room or whatever. Uh, it's more that he's, like, so, like, the way he says no to her is so, like, absolutely not, you whore. Right. And, well, it's so hot and cold because he starts it being, like, can you feel my gaze and can you feel my lips and can you feel my tongue? And then he's, like, ew, stop. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he like turns the heat on and then he's like, how could yep, you? Yep. And then we go back to Joey and Dawson and they are out claiming that it's winter and very cold, but they're really not wearing much in the way of jackets and hats. They're not. I will just say, though, that you can see their breath. Oh. So I will give them that. Okay. Yeah, their okay. breath is a little cold. Although if it's supposed to be March, I mean, I guess that's cold, but. I mean, if it's March, they should be like desiccated husks of ice <laughs> right if they live right. on the gate yeah that's true they are by the water they get some nice roasted peanuts <laughs> they're talking about wishes wishing on the first snow wishing on the first snowfall which feels really contrived but that's what they're talking about and dawson says snow is just so hopeful you know and i was like exactly i get it <laughs> <laughs> awkward <laughs> And yeah, this is a really good segue for him to be like, what I'm hoping for is to get back to the way we were. And Joey's like, me too. I've been trying to get our friendship back on track. And Dawson's like, I'm not talking about just our friendship. And it's strange because after seeming to get the friend thing so well for the last few episodes, he comes in so strong, even though literally nothing has changed, being like, Joey, we're not meant to be friends. You know that. I know. I know. That's like, what are you basing? Nothing, literally nothing has changed. I know. That's why it's so weird when he comes on so strong after she's like, yeah, I'm so excited for us to be friends again. He's like, no, I love you or whatever. Not in those words, but he's like, no, I want us to be more. And I I was trying to think, is this the first episode? Because I think this becomes a big thing the rest of the series. Is this the first episode where one of them says soulmates? Oh, uh, I think so. I just like that's going to be a big old, whether it be romantic or friendship, I feel like Soulmates is like a big hill this show wants to die on. Definitely. Uh, I also, oh, I saw something. (sighs) I saw something, uh, a spoiler, I guess. I mean, like, obviously I've seen the whole series, but a spoiler for where we are in the season that's a couple episodes away. And I had you can cut this out or, or I can cut this out or whatever. But um, I had forgotten that these two do for like a period of time. And I'm not looking forward to that. It's incredible how much I like Dawson when he has no agency and isn't trying to make anything happen, really. Versus yeah. when he has any desires or dreams. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Because, yeah. Because when he has a desire or a dream, he can only talk about that thing and about himself and not about literally anything else. Yep. Anyway. So, yeah, he goes on this whole thing about, like, you know, uh, you were with Jack, but he's gay now, so we're good. And cue happy ending music. And Joey was like, no, I was trying to find myself. And, Jen, I don't know, Dawson's like, 
I wouldn't count on snow today, which I guess is his big like zinger for the end of the scene. And he I was off. very confused by that, obviously. Um, and we cut right to Joey at the Leary household talking about like she's planning a surprise party for someone who now hates her. But all I could think was nothing says a party to end all parties like parents being there and canned salsa. Like they're just they're really <laughs> setting the stage for something special. Say no more, Mona Moore. Yeah. Uh, but I also did like, what do you call, you have a word, well, not you, but you know the term for this when someone's like, oh, gosh, I hope that that'll never happen. And then immediately that happens. Chekhov's gun. Yes, Chekhov's gun. Because uh, Bessie's like, just relax. Everything will work itself out. I mean, Dawson's out right now with Pacey enjoying his birthday. By the time he gets here, he'll probably be in a great mood. Cut to Dawson miserably looking out <laughs> the car window of the patrol. And Andy having a manic episode in the backseat. Right? That's what I thought. Because she's like, we're having fun. Turn on the siren. And when he won't, she does this really weird, like, woo, woo, woo. Like, uh, there's something else happening here. I know. That's That was where my brain went as well. Yeah, and she's sort of like, I don't know, they're sort of talking back and forth about Dawson being a big old bummer and Andy being like, I'm here for fun. And at one point she's like, stop the car! And Pacey like screeches to a halt and is like, what do we hit? And she's like, do a UE. I saw a cool place back there. But <laughs> I saw a cool place. Pacey is literally the best boyfriend ever because when she reminds him that it's like doctor's orders that he has to cut loose, she's like, yeah. I agreed to it, didn't I? All right, let's do it. I'm taking you there. I got you, babe. Whatever you want to do, babe. Babe. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that as annoying as Dawson is being in the car right now, it is my favorite version of Dawson. <laughs> the really glum one. Yeah, when he's like, there's different types. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Andy is like, Andy's like, this is what it's like when they cart you off to prison, huh? Be having her manic episode in the back. And Dawson's like, depends. There's different types. There's the state regulated ones. And then there's ones that you're trapped in when your life is going nowhere and everyone else is moving forward. Yep. It's, it's pretty. And I kind of like him and Andy as a weird dynamic duo when she's manic and he's in a, in a like self-induced depressive episode. <laughs> Me too. Love that. But then we are going to go, before we figure out what these, what our new favorite duo are up to, <laughs> we're going to cut back to Jack, uh, who has just arrived at the party. Bangs! And he's, and he's got some new hot floofed up in the front hair. That was such a moment for hair. It really was. It really was. And he comes in and immediately is accosted by Kelly. And Kelly being one of the friends, Abby and her two harpies or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're like oh my god you look so good whatever i'm so sad you're gay blah 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 for abby it's her version of being nice Mm -hmm. and i think when he walks away here because she he doesn't even say much he's like it's not a big deal i put gel in my hair and then when he walks away abby's like watches him go with like the biggest lower lip bite ever she's like Mm. like oh that hair i want to bang that man abby is so complex we can't even (laughs) begin to wrap our minds around what she's dreaming Mm, yes i've heard that many a time (laughs) uh speaking of we're back to jen and ty and Again, this was a line that when I read it in the transcript, I was like, what is happening? Because he's like, hello. She says, like, hello, because she, like, senses him watching her. And he's like, good, you're learning. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but, yeah, I guess this whole thing is like, hey, they almost kiss. And she's like, you've bailed on two kisses. And he's like, you know, every time I'm with you, 
I'm getting closer and I want to be even closer. Like these kisses, they're going somewhere. Ew, but no, what he says is, Jen, you you turn me on. And the closer we get, the more you turn me on. And I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Yes. And in this scene, he manages to save it with Jen because he's like, things could get out of hand. She's just sort of like, oh, that's sweet in like a 1956 kind of way. And he just makes out with her and is like, wow, how 1956 is this? And I was like, pretty 1956. Like, people made out in 1956 and had sex. Like, that's how babies that were born in 1956 were born. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it it's so lame. Like, it's, I don't know, Jen's like trying so hard to think that this is a sweet thing like you can feel her trying to be like no this is fine like i can get behind this it's called dating men you know what i'm saying bada bing bada boom uh and speaking of bada bing bada boom we're gonna go to andy dawson and pacey because guess what they're at the jazz club the only one that also doesn't card as we've learned already yes Oh, and I will say, so they're at the club. Andy takes off uh, like a coat or a sweater or something. And she's wearing, we see that she's wearing this like very low cut spaghetti strap dress with, uh, by the way, a metric ton of body glitter. So much chunky body glitter. I shuffled off this mortal coil when I saw how much body glitter was on her chest. Yeah. Rest in peace to us all because we're uh, we're at least minimally blind <laughs> because of this body glitter. But um. Uh, uh, I did want to say, because there was a moment where, because, like, it's definitely a thing. Her taking off this this over piece and, see, you know, Andy's incredible set uh, being on display. Uh, I knew it was something was going to happen. And I was worried it was going to be Pacey being like, uh, how you, how up. can you wear that? Yeah, everyone's going to be looking at your bazongs. But he doesn't do that. Um, he says, whoa, who are you? And what have you done with my girlfriend? But it's more, like, celebratory. Like, He's excited that she's wearing this yeah. sexy outfit. And it's like curious, like, hey, what's what's that about? That's different. Right. What's, what's going on there? And she's like, I've been released from the bondage of Gap. <laughs> right. And I just really, I wanted to call that out because I was so grateful in that moment. I mean, I'm so grateful to Pacey so many times yeah. in my, like, every day. But that just could have gone so differently, especially since, like, He's this, you know, the, Pacey could be really controlling. Like, his character is set right. up to be really controlling yeah, uh, and really jealous, but he's not. And oof, I just love it. Yes. I also like his response, like, her response, because he, she also says something about, like, her good girl complex. And he's like, hey, that's one of the things that's, like, part of your charm. And Andy's like, yeah, part of my charm, but not my whole charm. So, and they're, mm-hmm. like, that just seems like a really great happy medium that they come to. Yeah. Like, I no, like you part, the way you I, are, I really but like. I'm also cool when you experiment with other stuff. Right. And she's like stating that too. She's like, well, you know, just so you know, there's, I have many facets. I contain multitudes. Right. Right. Everyone's cool with that. And then she talks about the id and Dawson, who's always pontificating about his teenage emotions, is like, hey, hey, what's the id? What, what's that? I know. And Andy has uh, to also, it. the person that did our, the transcript for this c- c- refers to it as the it yes, through the entire I thing. Love I don't know that if you know so much. So confusing. There were so many times where I was like, the it just wants what it wants, like from the clown. <laughs> it, they all float down here and we just they want all what we want. <laughs> beep, 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 I beep, beep. love this next bit. So Pacey like goes to the crapper and Andy's like, <laughs> let's go wild per my therapist. And she pulls like what in my mind because I was a lame teenager who didn't like almost never. Like I don't think I went to a bar one time without an ID and all of it was just like 
booze in a friend's house. So when she does this move of being like, hey, can you tell the bartender to go heavier on the rum next time? Like, I could barely taste it. And Dawson, like, plays along with it. I was like, this is diabolical. This is genius. (laughs) But I just, I love that they're having fun and being friends. You know that I love when friends have fun. Exactly. So I was really into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Andy does that thing and they both get some booze, which, thank God, like Dawson. Finally. Finally. In this bar that used to not card. You can bet that they did after tonight. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, also I did want to say, because after they order, the waitress walks away and Andy's like excited. She's like, I've never drank before. Have you? And Dawson says no. And I just want to say like at that age, I don't think I had had many drinking experiences, if any. I don't remember. I mean, 16 is like pretty young for me, a late bloomer. Yeah. But imagine if your first time getting drunk had been with on rum and coke. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. I know. Thank God we were doing, like, shots of absolute that we were chasing with chocolate bars. So it was like, pleh, pleh, to, like, get any shot down. I know. Like, we didn't even bother with mixers. We were doing it like a weird drug. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. But it meant that we probably drank less. And also the hangovers were probably yeah. more. No, I think in general it was a better. But I, I just love their little sweet energy of being like, we're, we've never done this before. This is so cool. I know. It's, it's very cute. Then we go back quickly to the party. Jack is out on the porch and Abby comes out to join him. Uh, Jack's like on the porch strongly regretting his bangs. Like that's the energy I get <laughs> when he's out there alone. <laughs> yeah. And then I like Abby like slinks out there like a cat to continue tormenting him. And Jack's like, why do you keep talking to me? I don't <laughs> like you. That's what I said. I don't like you. So frank, because that's the only way you can be with Abby. And Abby <laughs> like, is so unbothered. She's like, "Well, that's because no one likes me, and I'm an ad, I'm an outcast, and like, welcome to the club. We're both weirdos." <laughs> I like that so much. And uh, this is where we get from Abby that uh, she ha- takes in everyone as bisexual stance, which I don't think is true, but I appreciate that over like you're gay and you're weird and different. <laughs> well, certainly, and like staunch staunch uh, uh uh you know the boundaries between heterosexuality and homosexuality sure. are very strong and they cannot be broken you know i appreciate a little more fluidity there yes yeah it is a little bit of like you know why even bother to define yourself which i'm like always comes off as a little disingenuous to me because i feel like people mm-hmm. say that because they don't want to have the bother of being different but i like the way that she says it as the little chaos demon that she is like we're all bisexual yep. it's fine she chaos demon exactly yeah her little puckish charm is really well, on display when you she's like know her puckish charm works on me <laughs> she's like we're all just sexual animals under god <laughs> Speaking of God, he surely turned his face away from the next scene that we're about to see. I literally got up and like peeled shrimp because I couldn't bear to like look at what was happening. So I heard it, but I didn't see it. This is tough. <laughs> this is a toughie. But at the same time, I did delight in it. Yes. So, you know, it's it's difficult. I will say just to start off the scene, someone else is singing... Um, Oh, fuck. What's that song? We all know that song. She's singing that song that we all know. That random lady. <laughs> hmm, it's about uh, summer or something. Mm, everyone knows the song. If you if you know what song, okay. you know the song. All right. For those of you playing along at home, it's the song we all know, and it's about summer or something. <laughs> fuck. What is it? Fuck. It's like Nina Simone. It's like the one Nina Simone song that everyone knows. Feeling good? Yes. Okay. Feeling good. Thank you. Not about summer. <laughs> 
the woman singing that song, Zoe Hyde, is yeah. the makeup artist for the show, Sarah Seedman Vance. Ooh. She was formerly an opera singer, which I could not tell based on her vocal performance. I guess she's just used to a different style. Uh, she was also an actress in a couple things. She played an unnamed handmaid in the 1990s film version of The Handmaid's Tale, which is now on the Criterion channel, if anyone wants to watch it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Carry on. I just had to, I had to make that information known. Well, what's happening in the rest of the club is that uh, Dawson and Andy are wasted. Yes. But Pacey doesn't know it yet, and he just thinks that they're just, like, chugging Coca-Cola. <laughs> Pacey, you're so <laughs> innocent. Uh, and then, oh, no, it, we find out that it's open mic night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who wants to come up here and sing no, the blues for us, please. some random employee <laughs> no. uh, says. And, of course, Dawson says, I know a little something about the blues, mm-hmm. which, <laughs> no, which, as you might. Uh, might have thought makes them both Andy and Dawson get up on stage to sing them some blues and Pacey is reeling as they mount the stage and Dawson exclaims all right boys the blues (laughs) (laughs) I hate it I hate it so and this also feels like weird and in a different reality the same way that Friday the 13th scary movie Halloween episode did it doesn't feel like the world of Dawson's Creek yes yeah absolutely Andy's doing a lot of like air guitar dancing. I mean, this is not a good look for Andy in general. Like, like it's a good look. Like she looks great, but her drunk and swaying on a stage with like all of her limbs. There, she doesn't know <laughs> what to know. do with them. She hasn't learned yet how to place those those long, long limbs. I will say the literally the only line I like in this whole thing because it's just them crooning like semi rhyming lines about everything we've seen thus far. Um, so you can guess the Dawson's is about Joey and her dating a gay guy and how he's not going anywhere in life. And uh, Andy's first line of her song is like, my name is Andy and my brother's the one that's gay. And that's like the only line I liked. <laughs> I did like, because the next line does kind of sound like a blues song. Like she really did get into it. Because you know how she has that Southern twang sometimes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said that when she delivered the line, my other brother died and my daddy ran away. I was like, Alright, true. This is not this is not bad. I not mean, bad. if we buy into the world of this, like the reality of this episode, I am impressed by their on the fly rhyming, given that this yes. is their first time drinking and they're not just like bleh bleh. Yes. So I guess that was pretty good, but like as a television show, it pained me to no end to see this happen and to see it associated with the blues, a very rich tradition of music that is not for and by white people no yeah it's hard to watch especially i mean yeah i mean they're it's supposed to be hard to watch like they're not doing a cool thing right now (laughs) like it's i don't think i don't know how we're supposed to feel that the rest of the club feels but definitely we as the viewers and pacey are very uncomfortable True, but the rest of the club claps when they're done Right. So that's what I, I mean. Like, uh, that's why I I don't know. Like, are they clapping at the spectacle of these two? <laughs> Clearly, that this is not a club, like a classy club where people go, like, to, I don't know, be classy or whatever, because they're not right. carding underage kids. Yeah, exactly. And, and they go because they're not whatever. underage kids. Exactly. So, like, who knows? But I know that we, as the viewer, are not supposed to be, like, we're not supposed to be like, oh, this is awesome. They're really letting loose. True, but it goes on for so long that I was like, who is this for if we're not supposed to like it? 
Mm-hmm. And the only other uh, thing I'll... And I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just want to say uh, I, my least favorite line mm. was when Andy says, but I'm still Andy and my boyfriend makes me Randy. <laughs> oh, no. I don't... I just... Yeah. <laughs> At least Andy rhymes with something sexy-ish. Because, like, Gabby, all I could ever think of was, like... Tabby, cat, and flabby, and none of those are very sexy. So at least Andy, I mean, I'm Randy, <laughs> Mandy, Sandy. Oh, Mandy. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, the only other good, like, important information that they reveal is that Dawson sings well, that he knows about the surprise party. Oh, yes. Which is, mm-hmm. like, also makes me hate him more because he was like, I know all my family and friends are waiting at 9 p.m. plus for me to show up. I'm going to get drunk and make them wait way longer. Like, that, Yeah, I didn't remember that, and I thought it was just, like, a comedy of errors that he didn't realize and, like, this happened by accident. But no, he inflicts this on purpose on everyone he knows. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's doing it on purpose, which is so nasty. I hate it. <sighs> So once they're done with that, they walk back to the table and Pacey like starts herding them out of the bar. Um, But before he's able to do that. We got to stay. We got to drink more. Yeah. We're having a great time. Why would we leave? Uh, Pacey sits down and drinks some of like the rest of Andy's Coke. And then he's like, oh, so you've been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I love Pacey so much. I love him. So they try to order another drink, but the waitress says that the bartender has asked before she brings them anything else. Uh, she wants to check their IDs. And Andy, like, straight up just starts yelling at her. She's like, our IDs? You should have done that five drinks ago. You broke the law. This is my boyfriend. His dad's the sheriff. Like, he's gonna, like, you're in so much trouble, lady. <laughs> like, I don't think Andy is the best drunk acting, but I kind of love this speech. Me too. I mean, there's just no consequences for drunk Andy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, or there. And she, well, know, she still appear, loves she rules. She's like, you. Right. Uh, the rules you did not follow. Duh. Right. Yeah. She's still like Andy the Hall Monitor. Yes. Just drunk. But <laughs> just drunk and uh, and blame. Not blaming, but yeah. So finally, Pacey drags them out of the bar with Andy attempting to give the waitress her like high school I'll ID prove to prove. I'm 16. <laughs> Yeah, what ID does she have? Like her height? Oh, I guess she drives. She drives. She drives. She drives. People, young people drive in this town. Not my town. (laughs) Not in ours. So we go back to the party. Mitch, there's like a brief thing with Gail and Mitch where again, he's like, I saw the car. It's beautiful. And Gail's like, (laughs) Gail's like, it seems that most of the decisions that came with the marriage are mine these days, except of course the decision about the marriage itself, which so yes that's what i was referencing earlier when i was like i kind of can see the point of pointing out the like well i'm paying for it so i'm gonna get whatever i want but this comment is like whoa 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 gail keep it together at your son's birthday party right and like man it sucks to have to use gifts for your child as fodder for your like post-divorce uh you know, warfare. Like, it just shouldn't... We know that they don't have very good boundaries when it comes to Dawson, or at all. But, like, man, of course that's gonna foster, um, like, bad feelings, obviously. No, you're definitely And I, again, if she had been contrite about it in any way... Is that the right word? If she'd been, like, apologetic in any way, and she was like, oh, I'm sorry, like, I just wanted to get him this car, and I didn't really think about how it would affect you, I think that would have been completely different. Yeah. Because, like you said, she bought it, she's paying for it, like... You know, he lives in her house, whatever. And if she would admit that she made a mistake and should have consulted 
or at least told, <laughs> at least told Mitch about it before she did it. Right. And not bring that it would to, be different. And not bring it to this place of like, well, I made this decision, but you made the decision to leave me. Like that's such weird, mono- right. like emotional manipulation. Exactly. The only other thing I'll say about the scene is that while I was watching the episode and cooking gumbo, um, Mike was sitting on the couch with the dog and earphones on, not paying any attention. But at one point, he like looked up and I was like, Mike, Mike, what does jalopy mean in terms of a car? And he was like, an old shitty car. And I was like, hey, do you know where that word comes from? And he was like, no. And that's all he had to give to this episode. So I think it's important <laughs> that we all know that. Oh, okay. Thanks. Okay, so the explorer and the, I think that that scene between Mitch and Gail only only uh, serves to establish that Gail is being petty, and that uh, the car in question is currently steamed up uh, because please please Ty... read the description from the transcript. Okay, okay, okay. Cut to the explorer in the garage with steam covered windows. All of a sudden, in a Titanic like scene, someone's hand hits the glass. Cut to inside the car. Jen and Ty are making I out. I love Titanic, man. It was on everyone's minds. It really was. I'm so grossed out that the this car is completely fogged up because Jen and Ty are like just frictioning, like dry humping so furiously Ugh. inside this car. Yes. I want to die. Um, and Ty, of course, stops them. Mm-hmm. And Jen is really pissed. And Ty... <laughs> I just hate everything about this. Ty is like, you're tempting me, which like, okay. It's a two-way street, Mom <laughs> yeah. Like, you are doing She's this. That's a- that's what I highlighted because I was like, I love that Jen said that's a load of crap because it is. Mm-hmm. Like, she is not doing, he, she's not forcing him or even an, always initiating. And he just is like displacing all of his shame and discomfort onto her. And his excuse for that is, is he says, Jen, I mean, it's perfectly clear that your history of kissing isn't just kissing. So, so you knew that Jen has a history of sexual activity. You uh, browbeat her into dating yes. you. Yes. And then when she's ready to go further with you, uh, then you're suddenly like, ew, no, I don't believe in premarital sex. So you set her up. To be, like, made into this whore uh, archetype. And then you just drove that into the drove that into the ground by, like, acting that out with her. And I don't even think it's clear that she was trying to initiate sex. They were just making out too hard. And he was like, you're trying to fuck me. And she's right. like, no. This, no. It's not like, yeah, it's not like she's like, hey, do you have a condom or anything that, you know, he, what really is going on is that he wants to fuck her. Like yes. he wants to have sex with her and that makes him freak out. And so he's like, you are doing this. You're a whore. Yes. I don't want to have premarital sex with you. Well, he's not listening to anything that we learned in elementary school about I statements. He's making it all about her, even though it's all yep. about him. And also he didn't bring this up at any point. Like he, this, this preference of his to not have premarital sex it wasn't like when they started dating he was like hey just so you know like i don't want to have premarital sex with you or anyone that's just something that i don't i'm not interested in right he waited until they were like making out and then he just flipped out like it wasn't yeah he knew before that he didn't want to go all the way with her right well and as you said he knew who she was and he knew she didn't have the same values and he so aggressively pursued her so Mm -hmm. Who's to blame for that? Not Jen. Right. And suddenly he's like, how dare you have those values? 
Girl, you knew about you that. You literally said last episode, my values can be flexible. So. So. Speaking of flexible. Anyway. Jack and Abby are heading upstairs, having a little convo. And he's asking if what she said earlier, like she really believes that everyone kind of has bisexual inclinations. And they kind of are, as Abby loves to do, they're prowling through Andy for, through Dawson's room. I just love saying Andy when Abby is around. As Abby loves to do, they're prowling around Dawson's room. Um, And she started talking about how even though the teens we know are like so highfalutin in some ways, they're like very narrow in other ways, like sexually. And she says, this was so weird to me. I like love this part. (laughs) So she says, for all the time they spend examining their navels, you'd think they'd be more open to possibilities. And Jack just looks at his own belly button uh, in a really like charming weird way and says you know you're right there's a whole world of possibilities in there and Abby looks at her own belly button and is like um, in here too and it's very silly and very weird and I really liked it for th- I like this journey for them I thought it was very strange I didn't dislike it but I was like what I had to rewind and watch it again I was like did I miss something well it would have made sense also it would have made more sense if Jack had gotten some rum in his coke right yes I did want to say I love the dress that Abby has mm-hmm. on. She's wearing a black spaghetti yes. top. It's a black spaghetti tank top with it's a two piece. So it's a tank top, a cropped tank top and a and a what are those called? Like a pencil, black pencil skirt. But the top of the tank top has this leopard fake leopard print fur that's been like tied down in the middle. It's just like really cool and I love it. No wonder Jack wants to hang out with her. Mm-hmm. And I did just want to say, even though the navel thing really confused me, I do like that this is what's tempting Jack away from homosexuality. It's like this conversation where he's like, oh, maybe I could get into this. Like, so fucking weird. I just like that they're both just sort of weirdos who are down to, like, go wherever this conversation is taking them. And I like the way that Abby frames it as we're both outcasts. Like, let's stick together. Yeah. I like that. It's true. Um, and oh boy, let's mm. go back downstairs. Oh, do we have to? We do, because Dawson, Andy, and Pacey have just shown up to the party. Dawson uh, stumbles in, screaming, surprise, happy birthday. <laughs> Joey Idiot. walks up to Pacey. And I did want to say, like, I think that these two make an excellent team, mm. though, these two being Joey and Pacey. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to say that. And so Joey's like, hey, are those two super drunk? Yes. <laughs> Pacey's like, yep, they snuck some rum and cokes past me. I love this. Which is, makes me laugh. It makes them sound like they're the mother and, and father who are divorced and raising their kids. Exactly. Like, well, it's also, I also like, it does, it, it suggests that uh, Pacey was there to guard them to make sure that, like, this didn't happen again when they've literally never drank before. <laughs> yes. And I do like that Joey doesn't get mad at Pacey. She's just like, this party is yes. a disaster. Yeah, because they're already late, and they started at 9 p.m., so it's probably way too late. Um, also, it is kind of a like a banger of a party. If Abby and all of her buds are there, like that means that the whole like grade is there. Yeah, so are Gail and, and Bessie and Mitch in the kitchen just being like, well. Well, anyway. Andy does some really uncomfortable, like, Pacey, let's dance. And she is just, it's again, so many arms, so many legs, so many. It's a lot of arms lot. and legs. Uh, and her, she, like, not that I think that the actress whose name we can never remember that plays Andy, mm-hmm. I don't, I think she's very pretty. Don't get me wrong, but she's got a big face. And I don't know that it, it can lend itself to awkwardness when she's being 
awkward. Yeah, well, she's got, she's got like, a beautiful, or, no, everybody is great, but she's got, like, a traditionally good, thin body, but she's, I mean, she's got, like, mm-hmm. and not that that's actually good. You all know what I'm saying. But she's got, like, yes, acres of arms and legs that are just, like, primed to look awkward, and I don't think this actress is someone who, like, expresses herself that way when she's drunk so she's trying to be like what would a drunk 16 year old who just wants to dance look like right and they want to dance because she and dawson have climbed up on a table and they're just doing like dumb drunk people stuff so joey and dawson get them down and joey starts to take dawson upstairs get them down yes sorry joey and pacey get their respective those respective people, yes. Andy and Dawson, down from the table. Uh, and Joey starts taking Dawson upstairs to get some coffee in a system. So that I, I did appreciate that she says, God knows it probably won't help, but it's the only thing I can think of right now. Because that's kind of a uh, like a myth that coffee will sober you up. Right. And I appreciate that she mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, there was something she was so like desolate when she says that, like, God knows it won't help, but I don't know what else to do. Yeah, right. Like, this is their, this is trench warfare. Yeah. <laughs> this is their last hope. Exactly. Like, you know, it's not going to be a sanitary amputation, but if it continues to fester <laughs> with the gangrene, I know you're done for, so let's just try. Bite down on this belt, and we're going to, we're going to do this, God damn it. But they, they burst into Dawson's room to find Jack and Abby kissing. And what Dawson does is just disgusting. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> starts sucks. Laughing hysterically, he plays the air guitar and he's like, he starts singing the blues again. And he says, the guy I was talking about who said he was gay. I know Saturday he decided to swing both ways. Boo. And he falls back on the bed playing air guitar. The only good thing about this scene is that Abby, yes, <laughs> being the agent of chaos, just delights Yes. In chaos, no matter what. Even if she hasn't created it, she just, like, just loves it. Yes. Like, no she's matter. not like, oh, man, you foiled my plan to, like, take Jack's heterosexual virginity. She's just like, oh, more chaos. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. It's just like, this is delicious. I love this breaking down of this person. Yeah. Something that is not delicious, though, is when she goes outside to her friends and is like, not so gay anymore. <laughs> Although then Jack gets the great rejoinder, more gay than ever. More gay than ever. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I just, I wish I could have seen more of this weird, maybe we do and I don't remember, but even if they're not friends, I like the way that they bounce off of each other. Jack and, and um Abby. Abby, me too. It would have been nice if, if Abby could have had a friend that she wasn't in constant competition with like she is with Jack. Right. And maybe if she like cooled down and was like, I can't actually have sex with Jack, maybe that would have helped her. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh-oh, here comes Dawson. <laughs> and now he's interacting with Gail. Um, she is setting up his cake. So you know that something terrible is about to happen. Yes, Chekhov's um, cake. Yeah, Chekhov's cake. And it's time to make a wish. Uh, so this is Dawson's, like, big monologue uh, uh, exposing everyone's business um gabby i wonder if you would read this for us i would love nothing more also i i try to be i really have a lot of respect for james anderbeek and how he as an adult like reckons with the legacy of dawson and like his crying emojis and or like the gifts people have made of him and stuff but oh god they gave him a lot of room to swing at this monologue and i don't think he delivered (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's fair that's fair when you feel it's appropriate to stop, I'll pick up where the other. <clears throat> After Gail asks if he's been drinking, he says, time to make a wish. Okay, let's make a wish. 
I wish, I wish that my mom never slept with her co-anchor. I wish that my father would stop talking about actually getting a job and go out and get one. I wish the two of you would stop your petty bickering and at least pretend to be the adults around here, the adults around here. I wish that my friend Pacey would just end this transformation to this A student do-gooder all-around sanctimonious angel and would go back to doing what he does best, which is to make me feel better about my life when his is supposed to be worse. Go ahead. And then there's Jen Lindley with her drunkenness and her revolving boyfriends and her wild, wicked ways. I want to party with you. Ah, and then there's Jack McPhee. Jack McPhee, who likes guys but doesn't mind stealing my girlfriend. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, he's starring in his very own version of In and Out. He's in. He's out. He's in. He's out. Nice hair, by the way. And then, of course, there's my Joey. My sweet, precious Joey. (laughs) The only... And he really says it that way, too. The only The only 16-year-old in the world that needed to find herself. That was kind of a fair point. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? That's okay. I accept it. You need to find yourself, and I accept it. So, Joey, 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 where's my Joey? Where's my sweet Joey? He's like looking everywhere under tables, like behind the curtain. Gail's skirt, but it's just under the tablecloth. Because <laughs> he like gets out on his knees, and then he's like, There she is. There's my Joey. <laughs> and he walks over to her and kisses her, and she pushes him away and says, Cut it out, Dawson. And of course, he falls into the cake. Face now, first. Face first into the cake. Here's what I have to say about this. Everything he says about Joey is horrifying. I hate every part of it because he is like very bonkers about it. I'm trying to like humiliate her. Yeah. Oh, you're trying to find yourself? Where are you? Right. And also just being so scary when he's like, there's my sweet Joey. Like, (laughs) oh, God. (laughs) So fucked up. And I will say at the point when he touches Joey... I expect Mitch and Gail to get in the mix at this point. They're both present at this party. And I know he's been drinking, but this is your house and he's drunk and that's your kid. So they should have jumped in and at least said something. That's such a good point. Absolutely. But they do nothing. Instead, Gail just sort of like pensively holds the candle and is like, oh, man. Yes, that's what everyone's doing. There's and that and that's fine for everybody else. Like everyone else, yeah, whatever. Like this is a crazy thing that's happening, and and it's uncomfortable. And some people are getting like verbally abused, and so I get that nobody wants to like step in and help this guy. But as soon as he forcibly kisses Joey, that's when it's like, or okay, like now it's all face, like, ugh. yeah, you got to do something about your horrible son, even though he's drunk. Like, come on, yeah. And like, oh god, poor Jen just got this bullshit from Ty, and now he's like drunken revolving door Jen. And it's like she never gets the apology that we see. Only Joey gets an apology, or nor does Jack. Absolutely, absolutely. And like her drunkenness, really, Dawson, you're gonna call out her drunkenness Seriously. now? Seriously, interesting. So then we go right to a scene of him and Andy both just like endlessly puking. And I was uh, again trying to cook a gumbo. <laughs> and I couldn't watch this, so I did fast forward a little. So I have literally nothing to say about the scene. So if you have something, please speak now or forever hold your peace. The vomiting is very graphic. It's super chunky. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> Andy, Andy is puking in the toilet and Dawson's puking in the sink, Ugh. which... Yeah, I just want to say from experience, that's going to be such a bitch to clean up later. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, everything that happens in this scene is what you would expect. They're both like, I'm never drinking again. I'm so sad that I did this. Um, so mortified at my behavior, blah, blah, blah. And then they both like puke again. So they're both very, very sick. And that's all you need to know, really. We do get another cut of the glorious screened in porch, um, where we go back to Gail and Mitch. And again, not, I don't think not much to the scene. She does kind of admit that maybe it was like not the best judgment to get him, this like expensive new car and they talk about whether the divorce is screwing him up but then they're kind of like no that's just what it's like to be 16 and they kind of land on like we'll help him get an old car but we'll make him pay so he can learn the value of money and mistakes and Mitch is like I guess we're still all still learning about that which I guess is him saying that I don't know the value of money and mistakes but I was kind of fuzzy (laughs) on the meaning there yeah, I mean, the only thing that's nice about this scene that's, like, concrete is that they make this decision together, which they should have done to begin with. Right. So we can we see them sort of doing this teamwork thing, but they, they do not address the fact that they are, like, they're not screwing up. They haven't permanently screwed up their son's life. But listen, you could navigate this divorce better. Yes, if he hadn't been sadly eating his pancakes while you had like a muffled argument three feet away, he probably would have been less likely to really go off the rails tonight. I'm just exactly. So, you know, one step forward, two steps back, really. Also, do we ever see Dawson's car in the future? I'm I'm thinking no. I don't think so. I think um, I think that. I mean, at some point, I think uh, Pacey gets a truck, or oh. maybe Joey does. Oh. One, I think Joey. I don't know. At one point, Pacey stops driving the patrol car, and it's either because he's driving Joey's truck, but I don't think Dawson ever gets a car, in until he's like in college or whatever. Right, 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 right. right. Then we are gonna go back to Jack and Joey. They're kind of wearing matching dark turtlenecks. <laughs> and i mean this scene i uh, like they're not saying anything bad i just was bored basically um they just sort of talk about jack apologizes and talks about how or like he's like i didn't want you to see that whatever um and jack talks about how the things that abby was saying in the room that night that like attracted him to her was that she was t- treating him like he was just another guy uh and jack doesn't want to be singled out and be the ellen of cape side <laughs> which makes sense um yeah i just feel like the show leans too much into his like self-loathing and like torment over being gay as like which i don't think is necessarily unrealistic but i feel like they use it as an excuse to sort of make it more palatable to get to straight people of him being like god i don't want to be gay i have to be i'm not gonna hook up with anyone i'm just gonna like feel terrible about being gay and i just it's not the most fun to watch it's not and it's not the most fun to like watch them parse either like this conversation is you know it's not like nobody has ever said any of this stuff in real life but it is just sort of like you just came out like most of these feelings are ones that you've created in your own head. Like, you know, it's too it's too soon to be... Uh, whatever. I was bored. Let's yeah. just put it at that. I didn't find it that shocking that he kissed her. I didn't find it that shocking that he was like, no, I'm definitely gay. Goodbye. Right, right. 
Let's go back to another thing I love, which is Jen and Ty. (laughs) I do think it's interesting that Jack's last line is like, I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to end up alone. And then they cut immediately to Jen's breakup conversation. It kind of feels like even though Jack and Jen have only had a few like one-on-one friend interactions, they're kind of like connecting their stories a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. The only thing is, is that Jen is actively rejected by like everyone ever. And right. Jack is Gay. only in his head. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Jack rejects himself. But anyway, be that as it may, um, I, Ty breaks it off. Jen is like, you waited on this freezing cold porch to tell me something that was perfectly clear two hours ago, which is like, yes. And also like, neither of you look freezing. Your leather jacket is open. <laughs> right. I didn't complete again. I was bored during this. Uh, I don't really understand what Jen is saying. Like I know what I think she should say. And the scene ends with them being broken up. So that's fine. But like, yeah, I don't know. She says you have natural God given impulses that everybody in your life has told you are wrong to follow. So instead of growing your own conscience, you try and drag me through your own grief and I'm not going to stand for it. That last part is good, but I don't, it felt like this whole scene, she was angry. They had her be angry at the wrong thing. Right. I got the more the message that she was angry that Ty wouldn't have sex with her as opposed to all the other reasons she could be angry right. at him right now. Well, I think like a lot of writing on the show, it was kind of muddled and they like had a point, but they like obs- obs- obscured it way too much. But I think yeah. you're right. That last part about her being like, instead of growing your own conscience, you're dragging me through it. I think that's important. Like that does seem mm-hmm. right to me of like, yeah. rather than dealing with this on your own, you're projecting all of this, like I said, like shame and stuff onto me. I also thought mm-hmm. it was important that she said, you're a Christian, but you like to booze it up and you like to party, right? You judge people for being gay and you go around saying heterosexual sex is the way of the Lord, but you don't actually have heterosexual sex. And I thought, again, that was important for pointing out that thing I talked about, I think, last episode of, like, this assumption that sex or, like, the wrong kind of sex, like, gay sex, is, like, the only important sin. So you can do other kinds of sin and, like, get forgiven for it and it's all cool. And you, like, make sex this separate, unforgivable sin and, like, really concentrate on other people's behavior rather than treating all sins, if you're Christian, as something that you have to equally work on. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, thank God they deserve, they break up and she says, someone who makes me feel this way doesn't deserve a maybe. Great. Close that door. Lock it. Move on. I really love that line. Yeah. I, I wish that Jen would stick to that for the rest of the show. I mean, again, if you want to see Michelle Williams given something meaty to work on, check on, check out certain women on the Criterion channel. I got to do it. I got to do it. Then we go to back to Dawson, who's recuperating on his bed. Joey walks in and asks how he's doing. And Dawson apologizes for everything he said. He says he's a complete idiot and Joey forgives him. She's very magnanimous given how humiliating that was. Right. And he says that he's just, you know, Dawson says, God, I'm so lonely. I'm 16 years old and I'm so hopelessly lonely. And I just, I just want to say that is the time to be hopelessly lonely. (laughs) Write a poem and put it on, uh, fuck, well, Zanga. Put it on Zanga. Zanga. Yep, yep. Like, that's just, I mean, I know you can't see that when you are 16, but like, that's right. Perfect. Perfect timing. And I feel like 
in the writers minds they were like themes jack doesn't want to be lonely dawson is lonely lonely all the lonely people where do they all come from where do they all belong (laughs) think about it think about it won't you i know i will i also wrote or i highlighted when dawson says or i'm sorry joey says do 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 she says Uh, Dawson asks why did you run straight to Jack and Joey says because he wasn't you and she's like it was never about looking for something better Dawson it was about looking for someone who wasn't so close to me where I could tell where I ended and he began I mean our lives have always been so intertwined that in many ways I feel like you partially invented me I just wanted to know Gabby's that how you feel about me (laughs) yes except (laughs) I never want us to detangle get that no more tears spray away from me because I want to keep us tangled up (laughs) (laughs) although like i guess now that you've put it in that context because when she said that i was like doesn't vibe with me i don't i don't get it but when you put it in that context it would feel weird to date you so right i guess maybe i get it more than i think i would no it's like a very weird thing it's like a super brother and sister vibe and 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 when she puts it this way it's also kind of masturbatory right (laughs) like they're so similar and they've grown up with each other. I mean, I know that does happen, but. Yeah. No, you're right. That is whatever. like a weird. I look at you and I see me and oh, me is so good. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But like, and it also doesn't surprise me in the same way that like a lot of people's first crushes are on family members, like your cousins or whatever, right. like your first like formative crushes yeah. because that's what's comfortable. And like, you know, those people very well. So it makes sense that she would have like this childhood thing for him. But, you know, we're 16 now. It's time to yeah. wrap it up. You're right. And that makes that next part, because now I'm thinking of it, it does make it so like incestuous and like not sexual between them. And so the fact that it ends with Dawson being like, God, I love you so much. And then he passes out and Joey's like, I love you too. You're sleeping so you won't hear it. And it's like that first season episode where I was passed out and you whispered to me something. I don't remember uh. what. Uh, and... Yeah, that makes it so much grosser. Let's just like wrap it up. I'm so pissed off that they're going to don't want to do it. Ugh. He was so much better when they were not on a trajectory to get back together. I know. And it's going to be so annoying. Whatever. It's fine. Whatever. And then say it. Say it. Don't spray it. <laughs> she looks out towards the window Ugh. and then back at Dawson and gets up and walks toward it. Mm. Outside, it's snowing. Joey watches the snow, closes her eyes. And makes a wish. I made a wish the episode would end and my wish came true. <laughs> Make a wish, Joey. <laughs> Hopefully the next episode will be better. This one felt like a struggle. Again, I was trying to cook gumbo and coming off the high of the last two episodes, sure, but it really yeah. felt like a slog. No, this was a stinkeroo. I did enjoy watching Dawson's face get mashed into a cake, though. True. We'll say that. And I loved seeing uh, Abby and Jack please more of those two staring at their own body parts this episode for the jennifer lindley punishment watch we're gonna do like a five and a quarter Mm. uh out of six sad faces so pretty high but not the worst ever but still pretty high (laughs) maybe a 5.5 out of six okay she gets like uh, slut shamed uh, really unfairly (laughs) yeah by everyone she continues to have to navigate this horrible relationship with this like gross guy sorry to this person but you know sorry to this man i may look like a fool but i I don't know this this man (laughs) sorry to this man (laughs) 
So it's bad for punishment for her. And also, like, why, 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 why? Because now when she tells this story afterwards, she's going to be like, yeah, I dated this, like, uh, religious freak that my grandmother introduced me to. And he got really mad that I wanted to have sex. It didn't work out, shockingly. Like, da-doy, it didn't work out. (laughs) I almost dumped him for being homophobic, but then I decided to take him back. And then he turned on me like a rabid dog. Like, shocking, Jennifer. (laughs) Like, unbelievable. You're telling me that didn't work out? Uh, the Joey Potter Rageometer, we're going to do a DEFCON 3, which is the middle of the scale. Like, she gets mad, but it's not, like, there's just not enough screen time for Joey to really hit those, like, right. you know, I the did, higher DEFCONs, or the lower DEFCONs, rather. I did notice there's a line when Drunk Dawson first shows up where he's like, I, you know, I know all about the blues. You know about the blues, Joey? And she's like, too much. And I gave her credit for not bringing up her dead mom or her dad in jail. That was a prime real estate for a dead mom reference. (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, middle of the road for Joey. High punishment for Jennifer. Cool. Last picture show, I only clocked one, but it was said over and over. That's the film In and Out, which is probably pretty problematic but every time i rewatch it i am honestly delighted yeah because what's his face is kevin klein is that yeah who it is? yeah he's so he's great dream. like yes agreed that i'm sure it's problematic but watching him is a treat yes and it's got lauren ambrosia or whatever from six feet under as a mm-hmm. side character ambrosia <laughs> what did you learn zoe what's a life lesson see i believe that all the mysteries of the universe all the answers to life's questions can be found in a spielberg film don't ever drink. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. Um, I would say my life lesson for this episode is, I mean, I feel like it's one that we've learned before, but I just, communication is really important. Like, I, you know, I focused really intensely on Mitch and Gail's back and forth in this episode, or not really intensely, but more than the episode did itself, uh-huh. because I have divorced parents and they did a really good job of being divorced, which... I know now as an adult is really hard to do. Not that I'm divorced, but like just seeing how many people have had shitty divorced uh, 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 marriages, have seen their parents have shitty divorced relationships. Um, you know, having a kid with somebody is really complicated and you have to really think about is this, it, were I to divorce this person, could right. I successfully raise a child with them? And that is something that I don't think everyone considers <laughs> before they uh, decide to, because, because that's negative and people don't want to think about that. But in that case, it is like, there's just, you just have to communicate constantly. Every decision that you want to make about this kid, you need to make together. And that's going to be really hard with somebody that has cheated on you or that, you know, you've broken up poorly with um maybe maybe for no reason of your own but if they want to stay involved in your child's life you know they have to meet certain obligations in order to do that but in order to stay current inside of the parental relationship is what i mean but uh which is to say you know a a biological parent doesn't always have a ticket to see their child i don't think i think that some there are things that a person could do that would cause you one to um to shut that door but that's not what we're talking about here we're just talking about how difficult it is to decide if you're gonna buy your 16 year old uh you know a car for his birthday but all that it takes is talking to each other about it so that's kind of my yeah my very specific life lesson that's one of the things that first drew me to my partner is that they have shared custody of a dog with their ex but i just feel like if someone you know they're able to do it in a very like 
civilized and like respectful way and I feel like even before we got together I was like that's a really good sign for a partner it is because it means that they can put something ahead of their own needs yeah and that like if something that relies on them yeah and like if you break up they won't be a monster (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Cool. My life lesson is people tell you who they are. So if you start dating some weirdo and he's telling you all his weirdo homophobic views, just be like, cool, that's who you are. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you, they, those people don't need another shot. They don't need a maybe. They don't need a maybe. My face is so red. <laughs> okay. Um. Yes. If you want to follow us on a thing. Instagram. Yeah. You can. And we're at Dawson's Creeps. Twitter at Dawson's underscore Creeps. And if you want to visit us on Spotify, we have obviously this podcast. We also have the Spotify playlist where Gabby puts all of the songs that we hear on these episodes. I actually recognize. Oh, sorry. It, it's called Dawson's Creeps. Do you want to dance tomorrow? I actually, I actually recognized the last song from this episode. And it's a song I really like. So I'm excited to put that on the playlist. Awesome. I feel like I heard a couple uh, songs during this episode that I wasn't completely like, oh, God, <laughs> about. Well, and that's it. Speaking of, oh God, see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.